You listen to me. You're Nick fucking Woo Cage! Hello and welcome to the Nick Effin' Woo Cage Cast. My name is Rob and I am joined as always by my co-host Kat Valore. Kat, how you doing? Hello, doing good. Excited good. to be back. Uh, we're actually recording on our recording day this time. So. I know, that doesn't happen very often for this show. <laughs> um, life does get in the way. But, you know, we did miss one week, and that was a, a really messed up week. And I'm, I'm pretty yeah. proud of us for, for sticking to it so far. We have. Um, we I have, don't... maybe not always on the day we said we were going to record, but we have <laughs> managed to record and get something out on time, uh, other than that one time, which was just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I do hate to inform you, though, Kat, and, and all the listeners, that this week, this is not the Nick fucking Wu Cage cast. No? It is not. This oh, week, no. it's jazz. It's jazz. <laughs> it's the Nick Jazz and Wu Cage <laughs> cast. <laughs> uh, yeah, we are talking about the Cotton Club this week, and um, this was a movie neither one of us had seen it before. No. Yeah, never had. so... Uh, and I'm interested. I, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it. We do start with Nicolas Cage uh, news, which I forgot to completely look up, and I don't really see much. Yeah, I I was kind of hoping you had something. I didn't find any Nick Cage news this week. Yeah, I don't see much here as, I, as I'm looking real quick. Now, there is a, here's something from... Um, this appeared on Snopes an hour ago. Um, and, the, you know, Snopes fact checks rumors or whatever. Sure. Uh, the question that they're fact-checking here, did Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter appear on the cover of a Serbian biology textbook? <laughs> um, okay. The book's designer told a reporter in, 2011, in 2011 that the use of the photograph was an honest mistake. And yeah, that's, uh, that's Nicolas Cage and Holly Hunter right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you can check that out online. And if I could figure out how to get this... Um, this picture uh so i could send it to you cat i would maybe i'll just send you the link because i can't get it to work okay. uh, but indeed it is a uh it is a still from raising arizona and apparently oh, uh, it was oh there he is yeah you got it yeah i looked it up yeah it was uh apparently used on the <laughs> cover of a biology textbook in serbia um so we got that going on i, I did not know that until just now that's um, I've heard that uh, Nicolas Cage does indeed show up in uh, The Flash. Um, I have not gone to see the movie for various reasons. Yeah. Uh, but apparently there is a Nicolas Cage's Superman cameo in there. Uh, from what I understand, it's very brief. Uh, but that is that is the best I can do for Nick Cage news this week. You know, it's the first week we haven't really had much in the way of Nicolas Cage news. That's sad. We yeah. we should maybe talk about implementing like a poll or something for weeks when we don't have news. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, we should talk uh, about that. Just to get like some Nick Cage involvement from the community. Right, sure. Yeah, we should we should definitely uh we should definitely talk about that because uh we'll we'll need something something to do when when we have these weeks whether or not cuz you can't be in the news every single week. No. And again, you, it's been a been a pretty good run for us. Um It has been. He's yeah. he does a lot of stuff. He's a celebrity that's in the news a lot we're very lucky in that regard but he's got to be a little bit unpredictable so he yeah we can't yeah. have something from him every week right you got to pull back sometimes everybody deserves to relax every now and then i guess all right chat are you ready to talk about the cotton club 
I'm ready to talk about the Cotton Club. It was the age of jazz and gangsters and bootleg booze. The age of everything but innocence. Excuse me, I'm looking for Mr. Dutch Schultz. Do you know him? Sure. Everybody knows a Dutchman. A handful of mobs ruled the city. I got this girl coming. You keep her company, you make me look good. A handful of men ruled the mobs. His records are very appealing to me. New York was their kingdom. This was their playground. The Cotton Club. Richard Gere is Dixie Dwyer. Am I blue? He came here looking for fame. Am I blue? And on the way he found love and violence. Guns, knives, bombs. It's not my life, Dutch. I play music. I'm talking about Why not come inside? You don't belong to me. And if you want my meat, you gotta come to my house at 12. Dutchess move fast and home. You can't see a murder. Go home, wake up in the morning, have tea toast with a psychopath. Go! You can't do that, can you? Yes. The wind go away. All I want to do is take you away from all this. Look, let's get married now. No chance. I want to make it. I mean, really make it. Skies are oh so gray. I know all about you. The way you play your coronet. <laughs> I know about you, too. Like what you look like when you make love. If he came in here right now, he'd kill us. Crazy rhythm, I've gone crazy, too. They're getting to be a problem. <laughs> you. Let's go. I want to ask you one more time. Want to come along? What were you doing backstage with him? I was kissing him. And I will again if I get the chance. Well, you'll never get it! Don't touch her! Don't you ever, ever touch her like that again! The Cotton Club. Where deals were made, lives were traded, and the legends of jazz lit up the night. I'm gonna kill him with my tap shoes. Now, master filmmaker Francis Coppola invites you... I take them all on! ...to the Cotton Club. Will we live happily ever after? This ain't real life. What is it? Jazz. It's an invitation you can't refuse. I can save you. Try me. I hope you have a lot to say about the Cotton Club. I, I have I, a number of I have a number of thoughts on this movie. Yeah, that's good. I have one note, um, <laughs> and it's vague as hell, and I don't know how I'm going to stretch it out to an episode. So. All right. Don't worry, don't worry. I, I, I got right. enough, I think, here to talk about. I, I do want to mention first. This is something I'd like to to start doing uh, at the top when we're, we start talking about these movies to mention uh, that it was released on December fourteenth, nineteen eighty four, to help mm-hmm. kind of put it in context. Right? Yes, that uh, I the think budget. Helps. Fifty-eight million dollars. The box office twenty-five point nine million. 
Wow. Uh, so this movie was a big flop, apparently. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um. Did you le- read anything about the mess of trying to get this movie made? No. All right. So <laughs> apparently Robert Evans was inspired to make the movie um, by uh, having flipped through a coffee table book of pictures around the history of the <laughs> Cotton Club. Uh-oh. That's okay. where he got the idea. And um, he was hoping that this would bring attention to African-American history in the way that Gone with the Wind did for the American Civil War. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Ooh, all right. That's um, a, I don't hate the idea of wanting to do that. Yeah. But having just seen the Cotton Club today, I have doubts as to whether or not that was achieved. Well, oh, well, there are a lot of things that were not achieved because he hired <laughs> um, he hired Francis Ford Coppola to make it. He, uh, sure. he got uh, Mario Puzo to to do the story and screenplay, and of course Robert Evans was a producer on The Godfather. All three of them worked on The Godfather, and that was his hope. He wanted to make a a massive Godfather. Uh, style movie surrounded uh, uh, around the uh, the Cotton Club, but then boy, did problems hit! Um, and the problems, I, I don't really, I didn't even quite understand everything that that happened. But I, I can tell you now that it involved the mafia, it involved oh, no. um, some sort of uh, arms dealer, and it involved uh, Robert Evans being um, being arrested for cocaine trafficking. All of these oh, things set God. the movie back. Um, <laughs> So there was a lot going on around this movie. There was a, a lawsuit over for some reason and, and everything else. And the, the cost just kept skyrocketing and the, uh, you know, the schedule kept getting pushed back and everything kept getting messed up. I, I think I mentioned last week that I read in the, the age of cage that Nicholas cage said it at one point he had been hired to do like three weeks and he was there six months or something like that. Yeah. And was... when you said that, I thought he was going to have a bigger role. Like yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those things where, you know, they cast him in like a secondary part and then that role changed and got bigger mm-hmm. um, and they needed him for more time. I was surprised by how little he was in this. Yeah, he's not uh, he doesn't get a lot of screen time in it, especially for for that amount of time. That, yeah, uh, that's the th- it wasn't that he wasn't in it at all because he had a part. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, this isn't like a fast times thing. But uh, yeah, it, it there was no reason why it should have taken months to film no what he was in no but i i think that's and and we'll get to it when we talk about the the movie overall but i i think that is the biggest uh mistake that's made in this movie there's they're trying to do way too much yes (laughs) um but first let's talk about nicholas cage in the cotton club of course uh nicholas cage plays uh what was his character's name vicky or vinny yeah i think yeah vinny vincent dwyer and uh, this, all of these people were uh, based on real people. This was based on a um, an Irish American hitman for the mob named Vincent Mad Dog Cole. I, I believe is how you say that name. C O L L. Is that Cole? Cole. Uh, that sounds like Cole. Yeah. But... Okay. Anyway, his part is uh, relatively small in in the grand scheme of this movie. He's good when he's on screen. Uh, I don't dislike anything that he's doing. Uh, he yeah. he doesn't make very many bold choices, really, with the character. No, he doesn't. And I 
I will say, I think this might be my least favorite Nick Cage performance that we've seen thus far. I don't necessarily think that's his fault. Uh, he's playing a very unlikable character for the most part in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not... It, not that he's a perfect character and all the things like even in even last week you know he had kind of a chaotic crazy you don't know what he's gonna do and he's not the best person character uh this week i in this one he didn't have a chance to like have any natural charisma to kind of balance out some of the sleaziness you know and i think he did a fine job with the role that he was given but there wasn't a lot of meat on this role right no i i absolutely agree with you i i just i felt like like i kept waiting for something to to really you know stand out about his performance um yeah. and about his character and it never really happens no and, and it, it was it was disappointing in a couple places because like you know in rumblefish there was kind of the twist where he ends up being evil uh, and this one i kind of thought that they were setting that up you know mm-hmm. um a lot more than what happened in Rumblefish because that was just like a conversation uh, yes. where he reveals his evil scheme. This one, like, you could see signs that he was, like, discontent, maybe not, you know, like, the most morally sound person. They they were kind of building up this relationship where I thought he was going to end up being, like, a much bigger part of the, you know, the crime right. community over there. Yeah. Uh, and then they, it just kind of like it falters out. It's not a full redemption arc that he has, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, but it is enough to make him not the bad guy. So he just kind of fizzles out. Yeah, uh, which was an odd choice. So for my a character, having not seen this movie before and not knowing much about it, my expectation was for his role to be much bigger, and I assumed that Richard Gere's character. Uh, mm-hmm. Dixie was going to be sort of this um, because he was sort of taken under the wing of the the you know main mob guy in this in the film. Um, I figured he was going to have sort of you know this rise in the criminal world or or whatever or, or as a performer even. Um, yeah, and that Nicolas Cage's character was just going to keep you know screwing things up for him and keep making you know what I mean like ruining yeah. things for him and it was going to be this weird conflict between brothers and I was here for that. Um, and that that's sort of there, but not really. <laughs> yeah, um, it's more like um, it's more like Dixie gets distracted with it. Like he gets another opportunity, and uh, Vincent is just kind of there to right. not make it a clean break. Like he doesn't even really screw it up. He just is there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I will say for. Um, uh nicholas cage's character for for vinny he um he gets the one death in this movie that i was like okay that that looks like a francis ford coppola death in a mob <laughs> movie yeah uh, most of the other ones are pretty bland um and you, you know, know the one that really got me was the first one well that came out of fucking nowhere i yeah that just i was so stunned i was not prepared for that <laughs> Yeah, my note at that point in the movie was, um, quote, this movie is fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> because that guy just got fucking knifed out of nowhere. Um, but Coppola was sort of, with the Godfather movies, 
he had these sort of, um, I don't know, I, I don't want to call them grand death scenes because they're not really grand, but there was always something sort of, you know, a little special about some of the death scenes in those movies, you know? Yeah. More so than just somebody getting shot. It was, you know, and, and the one that, that really comes to mind right now is the Godfather 2, when the guy, he, you know, he's waiting on a guy in a stairwell and he unscrews the light bulb. So he knows the mm -hmm. guy will stop to look at the light and then he can shoot him. It, such a great, a great death. And I, I feel like um Vinny gets that in this movie like they're waiting on him to go to the phone booth and then that's when they're going to take him out you know yeah uh, much like Sonny in the godfather when he's at the toll booth um so i i did like that and i did appreciate that and i was like and that was the, the one time where i was like I, I see the francis ford coppola touch on this movie um but then it just made me kind of sad that i wasn't watching the godfather yeah i i can see that i there was uh, that first one really surprised me because it did. It just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. um, and I, that was, uh, I blame that first death on me not taking more notes. Because um, <laughs> at first, there were just, there were a lot of characters. Uh, yes. Like you said, this movie tries to do so much. Way so there much. were so many characters. I was like, I wasn't taking notes because I was just trying to like get my footing. Like mm. they dropped me into this whole big thing. I'm trying to figure out who everyone is and, and keep track of stuff. Um, I was kind of settling into it. Like I had a grasp for what was going on and it's like, okay, uh, now's the time to start taking notes. And then that death happened. And I was like, what the fuck? Uh, and I was like, <laughs> I was so astounded by that. And it really kept my focus for a while in the movie. And then by the time, the other deaths like really started going mm -hmm. i had forgotten that there had been a death already <laughs> like we just we had strayed so far from the uh violence of it i guess well and that's yeah that's part of it because it goes on there's like you said there are so many other stories going on yeah all at once that you sort of get away from from things for a while and then come back to them when I when this movie first started at, at the very beginning, is it just me or was there like rapid fire dialogue coming at you that was like explaining who characters were? And I was having trouble ke keeping up. Like I was like, "What? Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, what?" <laughs> I could not on? keep up. I actually yeah. backed it up. I watched like the first five minutes of this twice and it did not help the second time because i was like because i was still kind of settling down you know i was like i made coffee just beforehand and i was settling in and i just i felt like i had missed the beginning of the movie so i backed it up and like sat down and watched and yeah. i was still so confused it was it was throwing characters at you so fast and like setting up in in this these this like dialogue between the characters setting up who each person was and it it was happening so quickly and i was and i was just like because normally you expect to sort of ease into a movie a little bit <laughs> yeah and i was like hold on hold on i need to what was that what what was that guy's name this all seems important <laughs> why is it coming at me so fast and other than the names i'm honestly not sure any of it was that important <laughs> yeah yeah um it's a scene it's a movie where in every scene um there's pretty much enough context for you to understand more or less what's going on. Right. Yeah. As much as you're ever going to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say also that uh, the chemistry between Diane Lane and Richard Gere in this movie is amazing. Did you think that? I did not think that. No, really? Um, And my issue, and this is a, no criticism 
to Diane Lane as an actress because I I know that she's very talented. I think if we had a Diane Lane scale on this podcast, uh, <laughs> this would be I think her lowest ranking. I was not impressed with her. Really, uh, I thought she was this. good in this. Um, I I think, I, and that, I don't know how much of it was the dialogue. Well, that's what I was getting um, ready to say. I think the dialogue in this movie was mostly written by people who have never heard another person talk. Yeah, I it feels very much. I and this, I think, for the most part, it felt kind of like play dialogue. You know, where everyone's mm -hmm. kind of the the script is very hammy in some places. It, Diane Lane's dialogue in particular felt kind of like a parody of a gangster movie. <laughs> like, and she didn't always seem to know how to make that sound natural, which I, I, I'm not sure it's her fault, but there mm -hmm. were, I wish I could remember what the word was that she used, but there was like, I, I keep thinking lug and I don't think that was it, but there was some kind of like old timey insult that she throws around, but the inflection on it is so weird. Yeah. Like you could tell that it just was hard to work into natural conversation. Yeah. Uh, there, there are lines like that. I mean, that, I made fun of the Richard Gear line. It's jazz. Like, come on. Really? That he just said that. <laughs> That had to have been like a tagline or something. For oh, it must movie, have been. Right? I, I, I haven't watched the trailer, but I bet I guarantee it's in the trailer. We we will have played the trailer audio already, but um, <laughs> and again, it has to be in there, right? You don't have it somebody has say to be. it's jazz without it being in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought the chemistry was good though between the two of them. I I liked them. Um, I do I like think their chemistry was better than her performance overall. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I, w I was not completely sold on that. But I like them. I like the two of them together. They were really good in Unfaithful, too. I haven't seen Unfaithful. Oh, this is a good movie. You should check that out. Um, yeah, they're good in that. And then they did a third movie together that I've never seen. I don't remember the name of it. Knights and Rodanthe or some bullshit. That doesn't sound like something I want to watch. Um, yeah, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of actors that uh, I, I also thought were really good in this movie that felt really out of place to me, and that's more on me than on them. But Bob Hoskins and Fred Gwynn being in these roles um, was a little bit of a trip. Um, I don't think I know either of them. Well, Bob Hoskins, um, I mostly know him for um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, Okay. Um, and in this, he plays, uh, like a, a mob boss guy. I didn't um, know him by name, but I do know yeah. him. <laughs> yeah. Great. A great story that I did come across, um, about this movie when, uh, Francis Ford Coppola called Bob Hoskins to, I don't know if he was offering him the role or to just talk to him about it. Um, Bob answered the phone. He said, Hey, this is Francis Ford Coppola and Bob Hoskins didn't believe him. And he said, yeah, and I'm <laughs> Henry the eighth. Fuck off. And he hung up. <laughs> Uh, I love stories like you hear those stories every now and then, but uh, uh, that was one of them. And uh, you definitely know Fred Gwynn because Fred Gwynn played Herman Munster and he was also oh, okay. the neighbor in Pet Cemetery. Okay. Um, and in this one, um, you first of all, you get to see that he, he was a giant man. Yeah. Um, towering <laughs> over everybody. And I love his, his character. Frenchie was my favorite character in the entire movie. Really? Yeah, I thought Frenchie was great. All right. Yeah, you didn't like him, huh? I didn't dislike Frenchie. Um, right. I didn't think about Frenchie that much. Uh, but I, screen time was a huge factor in this, uh, just because there was so much stuff going on that I was pretty much thinking about whoever was in front of me at that moment. Mm -hmm. You know, 
Well, that is the thing. There's so much going on in this movie that no one really gets a lot of screen time except yeah. Richard Gere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Richard Gere is on screen a ton. And then everybody else just kind of comes in and out of the movie um, as they go along. And that, I think, is the biggest problem with this movie. They're telling way too many stories. Um, you either have to cut some of those out, and I don't know which ones you cut out and which ones you leave in. I think that there's, I think the stories themselves that they're telling are good enough that if you yeah. cut some of them out and expand the ones you decide to keep, you would have a good, a much better movie, no matter what you did. Yeah, I don't think there was a wrong choice other than not making a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which seems to be what happened. I um, maybe would have cut the story with um, Lila and sandman are those the two um yeah which I, it, it's hard to say that because honestly lila and sandman were my two favorite characters they just had the least interesting things to do they did but i think you rough. have to keep them and make that interesting around them because they're really the main connection to the the actual cotton club that's true and i if we had had the story of the uh See, maybe that's what was happening here, and I don't like it. But I, if they had focused more on the Cotton Club and less on... I think no matter what, uh, Richard Gere needed to be in it less. Because his character was not that interesting. <laughs> um, like, not terrible. I, I don't hate him. But in terms of just personality, he mm -hmm. had the least of it. And he yeah. was there a lot. Uh, but I, I do think it like the love story I wasn't super into between Lila and Sandman, even though, again, I think my two favorite characters. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. You either have to do that or because they've said they wanted to make this like a Godfather style epic. You have to open this up to make it a Godfather style epic because the Godfather has a ton of stories going on at once. It does. But it's over three hours long and it has time to let all those stories breathe. And, and, and it all works. <laughs> so you either have to add another hour to this movie to make these stories all work together or you've got to cut some of them out. They, they're they like in the middle and it's, it just doesn't work either way. No. Um, I, and I did check the runtime several times. In I didn't. Movie. I didn't. I will say I did enjoy this movie as much as uh, I'm giving it a hard time and pointing out all the flaws. I did actually really enjoy this movie. And we I should mention, I watched the Cotton Club Encore. I'm assuming you watched the same I one. I also watched it, yeah. Yeah, that, um, uh, I can't find the original, I guess, theatrical cut anywhere. Um, I, I looked, and I couldn't find it anywhere. As far as I can tell, the difference is about 10 minutes in the runtime. The studio made Coppola make some cuts that he didn't like. Mm -hmm. including um uh, a couple of musical numbers and, and a few other scenes. So he went back and restored it. And I'm guessing that's why we can't find the original anywhere. He's made sure that we can't. Um, because that, he I, that's fair. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I, I Again, though, the runtime, I think it was like 218 or something on this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me at all. Um, as, I it, was, as a matter of fact, if anything, I was upset that it wasn't a longer movie to let these stories breathe and flesh them out. <laughs> I think that's the thing. It wasn't even that it bothered me, although there were a couple instances where it did feel like it was dragging a little. It, it, the times that I were checking were like in between scenes because it felt like 
there was so much going on and I kept expecting it to tie together a lot more than it did. So mm -hmm. there was this kind of like, because I already felt like I had been watching it for a long time. And then it's like, I there still has to be at least like two hours left. How is this possible? Right. You know, and it, it wasn't really. Yeah. Like, and the, it doesn't really all tie together all that well. I mean, the, these characters all sort of intersect at various times. And there is, a, I did like the finale quite a bit. Like, you know, I wish yeah. it had been stronger in terms of character development, but it was beautifully shot. It does kind of connect those stories um, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I famously do not like musicals. Um, yeah. I don't mind this kind of movie because I don't consider this a musical. Um, yeah, I it don't has think this is a musical. It has musical numbers in it, but it's about the Cotton Club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it would be weird if they made a movie about the Cotton Club, which was a jazz club, and they didn't have any musical numbers in it at all, you know, or any kind of performances at all. What I don't like is shit like La La Land, where they're stuck in a oh, traffic God. jam and everybody just gets out and starts dancing and singing. Fuck that. Yeah. That's never once happened to me. <laughs> and I've been in a lot of traffic jams, and I would I would punch people if they tried to get me out of my car to sing and dance in a traffic jam, by the way. See, it's really um, weird for me because I, the musicals that I like, I really, really adore. Uh, but as soon as I lose interest in a story, I get so irritated when people are also singing during it. La La Land is one of the worst things I've ever experienced. And yeah. I left early. Like, <laughs> <I've> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, so like, I know because some people have, I've read some people called this a musical and I'm like, what's well, not, I don't really consider it a musical. It's a movie about uh you know a place where music and stuff happens so of course there's going to be performances in it i think they were trying to be funny with this scene uh but it did not make me laugh it just made me go what the fuck uh <laughs> the scene where richard gear and diane lane are dancing and they start slapping each other and then everyone and else then every starts slapping each other like like it's, it's some move. new dance craze or something <laughs> i was like what the fuck is this is that was that supposed to be funny because it wasn't funny it was just weird I was mortified, like that whole scene, just terrifying, especially because like she is, I, the security knows that it's not a joke, you right? know, yeah. it's not like it's, <laughs> and then she goes home with him and it's like, I, what is happening in this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Their, their relationship was, was, and again, it, I'd feel like if that has more time, then maybe it feels more like a real relationship because look, I, I know people who've been in volatile relationships, right? Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it's not fine. It sucks, but you know, they don't usually turn on a dime like that. Like they did in this movie, like the slightest provocation. And these guys were just at each other's throat. And I felt like they could have let that breathe just a little bit more. Yeah. I, I think the way to go for those two was subtle um and that was not what we got <laughs> no not not at all it was way over the top um but i think most of the performances were really good i liked gregory hines a lot he's a, just a delightful person to see on screen and he's always dancing and stuff and uh so that's that's good and um you know I, i'm trying to think of who else was the movie had a great cat it had uh tom waits was showed up again um <laughs> In this movie, he had a much smaller role in this movie, even smaller than the one I think in Rumblefish, uh, ultimately. I think so, but yeah, 
Uh, but, it, you know, he was fine in this one. He didn't really, again, another guy that I always associate with just crazy, weird choices, and he kind of didn't really make any in this movie either. He didn't really have the time. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, at one point in the movie, Dutch uh, offers Dixie $300 a week. Yeah. Uh, well, that allowed me to bust out my favorite thing on the internet, the old inflation calculator. How much um, was $300 a week? Well, interesting, because there's this whole thing where Richard Gere's character, where Dixie doesn't really want to take the money because he doesn't want to be associated with this guy because he knows he's a gangster and he does horrible things, right? Right. $300 a week is equivalent to someone offering you $5,200 a week. Okay. For five grand a week, I could overlook a whole lot of bullshit, I'm telling you. Yeah. <laughs> That um, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I so that was something that surprised me also because there I I knew that it had to be a lot of money back then. Right. I don't know if I would have guessed five thousand, but just even in the scale of the movie, people are paying for stuff with like dollar bills constantly. <laughs> and it's like, how much could five how much could three hundred of these a week make you? You yeah. know, like Yeah, it could make you an extremely wealthy person. And um and then the only other real thing that stood out to me that I, I was very upset about was the fact that they did not get Cab Calloway to play himself at the end for some reason. That um, would have been good. You know, Cab Calloway was was still alive and well uh, in 1984. He played himself in the Blues Brothers. Uh, well, actually, I don't think he did play himself in the Blues Brothers, did he? He was in the Blues Brothers. I don't think he was playing himself. I don't think he was. Um, so I, I don't, I didn't quite understand why they couldn't get him to come on and play himself at the end. Maybe he just didn't want to do it or whatever. I don't know, but... It, at any rate, they weren't able to get him, and that was disappointing. Uh, not that the guy that they did get did a bad job or anything. It's just I was excited to see Cab Calloway, and then this guy came on the screen. I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> All right, Kat, are, um, you got anything else you want to say about the Cotton Club? Uh, my one note that I, <laughs> that I wrote down for this uh, was that it is reminiscent of Pulp Fiction and Boardwalk Empire. Okay. Uh which sounds good even though i had a lot of complaints about it and i i meant it as a good thing i think um it does it it tackles an insane amount of stories um it, it's framed kind of in an interesting way uh how things intersect and and the people come together um i and it's an era of movie it the the time period the jazz clubs are not movies that i watch very often mm -hmm. uh but i think it did a good job with it for the most part uh the dialogue was a little bit wonky uh the violence kind of came and went that that was something the one of the themes was like how violent the city was getting but then it wasn't all the time and that was kind of frustrating so yeah we did go from a lot of violence to uh nothing for a while and then more violence um yeah and that, all that sort of cropped up it kind of lost yeah. that thread uh, yeah. And the last thing, I didn't write this as a note, uh, but the last kind of thing that I wanted to mention, I think the musical numbers were really good. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that is something, especially in this era of storytelling, that I think can be really annoying. Because, uh, you know, it's also not music that I want to listen to most of the time. But the choreography was good. I think the song choice was good. They did 
a really good job kind of portraying the emotions of the characters without it being too on the nose, which yes. was nice. Uh, it was very atmospheric in a way that I wasn't expecting. And I, and I liked it. I, th there was, I, I feel like I complained about this one a lot, but there were really good elements. Like it was yeah, not I, a terrible movie by any means. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think that they were maybe a little over ambitious. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure why they, decided not to go all the way with it like i said if you're going to make a if your idea is let's get the team of the godfather back together and make another godfather style epic around the cotton club then do that mm -hmm. and it feels like they tried to do that but not really because i do think if if this movie like i said has another hour on it and those stories are fleshed out more it could have been an amazing movie it or if they'd taken a scalpel to it and cut out some of these stories that they don't flesh out then we may have had a, a really good tight movie, but it, they didn't do either one of those. They tried to cram everything into this like two hour runtime and it just doesn't work. No. Um, unfortunately, but I, I also did um, enjoy this movie a lot more. I think that I, than I've been letting on. Um, Kat. Yeah. You want to get into the bees? Let's get into the bees. <gasps> Whoa, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees. Not the bees. We rate uh, every movie on a, uh, a scale of 1 to 10 Bs, and uh, we always start with the uh, Nicolas Cage score for the movie. This is It's not really just the score of his performance in the movie, but also how his performance is sort of utilized in the movie. Kat, what is your Cage score for The Cotton Club? Uh, so keeping in mind that this does factor the movie's usage of Nicolas Cage in, I am going to give this a 4.5. It has been my least favorite Nick Cage performance so far, but I think it's still very solid on his part. Uh, he was giving what they wanted him to give. Uh, they just didn't, they didn't use him enough. They didn't give him room to shine. Fair enough. Uh, I'm not far off. I give it a five, which is the exact same score that I gave to Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I think that he utilized the on-screen time that they gave him in Fast Times very, very minimal, um, <laughs> uh, extremely well. I think in this movie, he gives a good performance, um, and there's just not enough of it uh, for this movie. So, yeah, it's it's right down the middle for me with a five. Uh, having said that, Kat, what do you give the Cotton Club overall as a film? Um, I think I, I'm kind of lingering between a 6.5 and a 7. I, I think I'm going to give it a 6.5. The thing is, ultimately, is that even if it had been overcome like some of its issues, th that would have tipped it over to a 7. But this is just not the kind of movie that's for me, you know? Right. Sure. I get that. Um, funny enough, I thought I was going to give it a much higher score than you, and I had written down the exact same thing. It gets a 6.5 from me as well. <laughs> um, there is uh, there is a lot to like about this movie. The performances, I think, are really good. It looks great, by the way, too. It's set in... Uh, it is one of the most beautiful movies we've watched on this, including yeah. Rumblefish, which I was really impressed with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coppola just knows how to shoot a movie, and yeah. uh, in, in old-timey New York, he's really good at shooting um and and it looks fantastic but there are a lot of misses there's stories that just don't aren't fleshed out as well uh, as, as they could have been i mean we didn't even talk about that storyline or quote-unquote storyline i think it gets two or three <laughs> scenes in the movie between gregory hines and his brother who are the tap dancing like duo yeah duo. and that's interesting 
but we don't get anything out of it. We get a resolution, but it feels like a setup, problem, resolution, all in like three scenes. And those are the only three scenes we get of it. <laughs> yeah. And there was like, there was no effort that was put into the resolution. It was just mm -hmm. like time solved it, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very disappointed by that. Uh, there was just that, so many interesting that things. That should have been the movie, honestly. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. We were trying to figure out like which parts to like keep right. and... <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, the the relationship between Dixie and, and Vinny, uh, not explored nearly enough. There there were just so many things like that, that it, it's hard to give it a, a score higher than a 6.5. 6 and that dialogue, ooh. <laughs> the dialogue. <laughs> they, needed, they needed a couple more passes on that dialogue, I think. So that is, uh, that's the Cotton Club. Um, up next week, uh, another movie from 1984. Wow. Uh, Busy, busy, busy year, year for Nicolas Cage. Three <laughs> movies that came out in 1994. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 1984 movie Birdie. Ooh, I, okay. I don't know anything about this. Uh, um, the title this, has me scared. <laughs> yeah, so this one's either going to be uh, one of my favorites or one that I absolutely hate based on what I know about it. Okay. I've never seen it. Um, I, I'm not even sure how the critics ex felt about this movie or anything else. I can't tell you it stars uh, uh, Nicolas Cage, obviously, and Matthew Modine. And from what I understand, it's they are a couple of friends who have just come back from Vietnam or something. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we will uh, we will see. Uh, Birdie, by the way, is uh, one of their nicknames. I don't know if that's. Oh no! I just read the description. <laughs> <laughs> okay the birdie is matthew modine it does i will say this it has bruno kirby in it i just saw that and bruno kirby doesn't miss so that's exciting i guess um maybe he did that's on good. this movie that's why i haven't seen it <laughs> but uh anyway next week we will be talking about the 1984 movie birdie and uh looking forward to that cat uh yes. where can people find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at cat underscore velour. You can check out my website, catvalor.com, pre-order my book, Revenge Arc, and uh, check out the other show that I do with Rob, Slasher Radio. Yes, you can always find us on Slasher Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at RadioRob123. I guess that's going to do it. We uh, we did another week of the Nick fucking Woo Cagecast. Thank you, Cats. Thank you.